there. This is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. Creative people and how they do their thing, why they do their thing, how they hang in there. These are the things I love to talk about. I think art and creativity make life bearable, make the world go around. So I love to talk to people who are doing it on whatever level and in whatever way they're doing it. Today, my guest is an actor. He also does a lot of other things as well. Rodney Toe, he can currently be seen in theaters in the comedy Easter Sunday. He's hilarious in it. He plays the character of Uncle Arthur, which I love a shout-out to Bewitched. Um, you also might have seen him on Parks and Recreation, the show Barry on HBO, Good Girls on NBC. He pops up a lot, and he's having kind of a rodney sauce, which I was excited to talk to him all about. But before we get to that, I want to remind you there are now two ways you can listen to this podcast, Dennis, anyone. You can do it as you always do on your favorite podcast app, or you can become a subscriber to DNR Studios. For $12.95 a month, you'll get access to my show 48 hours early, and you'll also be able to listen to a bunch of other great shows like Derek and Romaine, Tom Goss's Perfect Date Show, The Focus Group, Adam Sank, a lot more. So you can go to dnrstudios.com to learn more about it. And if you subscribe and say that Dennis Anyone is the show you listen to the most, it's your favorite, I'll get a little money. Woo! All right. Um, that's enough for the plugs. Here now is the interview with Rodney Toe. Joining me now via Zoom, it's Rodney Toe. Hi, Rodney. Hi, Dennis. One of my favorite people I've ever met in L.A. ever. I'm so thrilled to be here. Well, I'm so excited for you because from the outside, it looks like you're having a Rodney-sance, uh, to quote Beyonce. It feels like <laughs> you've got a lot going on, a lot of cool stuff going on. Is that an illusion or do you have a lot of cool stuff going on? I, 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 I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, sh I don't want to, you can't shit on your own Renaissance. It's I'm not, not gonna cool. shit on it is, it is, it, there's a lot going on, you know, leading up. This is, I, I, it's so funny. I mean, just, you know, it, you spend a lifetime doing so much work, trying to get to a place where you feel like you're steady and, you know, and because I spent a lifetime built, trying to build this, it never feels steady. It will never, hopefully it will never feel steady because if it does, then I feel like I'm going to be in, I, I feel like that's a, a, a I'll, I will probably like, jump off a cliff. Right. Um, but that being said, it's it is in a I'm in a good place right now and I'm I'm very, very grateful for it. I love it. Well, you have a movie that's currently in theaters called Easter Sunday. It's an yeah. ensemble family comedy. I saw it at the theater and I really had a great time at this movie. Um it's a, a Filipino family on Easter Sunday and all the shenanigans that happen. But what was really fun about it is I was in an audience with um a good amount of Filipino people. And they would titter at things that I was like, I think that's an inside thing. Like, it was just fun to see their delight and oh. the sort of inside jokes that I felt like they were getting. So yeah. how did you come to be involved in Easter Sunday? Um, the story's pretty, you know, is not as dramatic as uh, one would sort of wish. Uh, I I have been auditioning, you know, like any other actor. I've been auditioning for a long time, and um, I, I've been – around a long time. I've done a bunch of Filipino things. I've played Filipino characters before. So I think I'm in that pool of people, you know, very, again, I'm very lucky to be in that pool of people who, when they are looking for a Filipino person, I, if, if, you know, they're the type sort of, if I sort of fit the type, then I am in at the very least, I might be, have an opportunity to audition and maybe not maybe, but maybe I'm fooling myself, but at least that's my impression. And, um, I think when this came about, uh, the casting office already knew, uh, Nicole Abalera, who is the, and Leslie Wu, the casting directors for this movie. Nicole is Filipino. So she, I've auditioned for her many times before and they've um, been very, very generous, uh, bringing me in and they brought me in for this. And I did not audition for the uncle. 
the first time around. You, you auditioned for a different character because you play Uncle Arthur in yeah. the in the, which you as a Bewitched fan you got to love an Ar- Uncle Arthur reference. Oh, I that was Paul it. Paul Lins. Thank you. Him. Did that mean one anything to you? Did it mean anything? Oh my to gosh, you? Paul Lind yeah. is one of my heroes. Yeah. So well, I mean, it, yeah. So it 100%. meant something to you. So oh. that's the character that you play in the piece. But you said initially you were brought in for something else. Yeah, I was brought in for something else, and then you know I was brought in for uh, um, for uh, his younger cousin. And you know, I mean, I'm well aware that I'm uh, I'm a middle aged man, and I didn't think I necessarily was young enough for it. So again, as actors do, like at some point, you just kind of sort of audition, and you kind of like you, you hopefully you are able to compartmentalize sometimes and just let let it go. Yeah, yeah. And I was certainly able to do that with that, and then. They responded to that tape, and then they brought me in for the uncle. And then, I, then it was the opposite. I was like, "Oh, you know, I'm too young looking because I'm well aware of what I look like." Right. And I don't mean, again. I don't mean that self-aggrandizingly. I mean, I just know that I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm you a have little a boyish guy. charm. You have a boyish I'm, charm. My uh, friend Ko always said he goes, "God rest his soul." I don't know if you know him, Ko Wolford, wonderful, wonderful actor who he passed away. But he always said, "You're a middle-aged man who looks like a boy." So. <laughs> I, and that might be the title of this podcast. I always like to pull a quote <laughs> for the uh, title. Um, the middle of the looks like a boy. So, so, yeah. And then I auditioned for it. And, again, I did not think that I was going to be old enough looking to play Joe Coy's uncle. So, again, didn't think too much about it. And as a lot of actors know, t- uh, uh, casting films takes a long time. So months sort of passed by and didn't think about it. And then I got the call and you know it was it was kind of i had like 5 days maybe to pack up my life get all of my paperwork in order cuz we shot during the height of covid i remember so, seeing posts yeah. on on your social media that this was happening and i was like oh it cool, happened they're shooting quickly. yeah wow. it happened very quickly and so we you know i i i packed up my life in like 5 days meaning i waited like 5 months for it to sort of happen but uh yeah and then we shot for in, in vancouver and it was it was once we landed it was blissful from there I saw the post, and it felt like you guys were also excited to be working together, yeah. because it's rare that there's a big ensemble of of of, of um, Filipino American actors. Um, what did that feel like? It was, I mean, with, at the risk of sounding, you know, cliche, it was it was extraordinary. I. I've never been a part of a project like this at this level. I mean, I've played Filipinos before. I've been very fortunate to play Filipinos before. Rocks and Rec, Barry, those were Filipino characters. Um, right. uh, uh, but I have never played a Filipino amidst Filipinos in, in, in the center of our own story. Uh, and that, to me, was what was so special. But, you know, t- typically when you go into projects and certainly film projects, TV projects, you do your research, right? Like you have to go and figure out this world or this family or this city that you're shooting in. With this one, it was already there. It's been in our DNA and it's been sort of lying dormant. Uh, in the entertainment industry for so long that when we are we were given this opportunity, it was just it sort of the doors open and we were just able to sort of play from the get go. There was no like feeling each other out because this was been this has been there for so long, and we finally got a chance to play and play with a bunch of wonderful Filipino actors who are who've been waiting just as long as I have to to do this. Was there a moment where it really hit you? Was it looking around the table or was it a certain scene where you're like, oh, wow, this is really extraordinary? Uh, the table read. Yeah, you're all sitting around. Yeah. Yeah, no, the table read was on Zoom. Oh, right <laughs> oh. on. 
<laughs> but it was one of those things, Dennis. It was hilarious. It was one of those things that because we were we our first table read was during our lockdown. We had a very, Canada uh, enforced a two week uh, a two week a two week strict lockdown, and so we knew we were going to be doing a lot of rehearsing on Zoom. Right. And our first that, Zoom that, to me that means okay, two months of masturbating in a hotel. And I mean, <laughs> let's talk about it. I mean, <laughs> the towel service, the and all of it. Like, yeah, right, like room in, service, wow. right? Okay. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, and also sidebar, like my when you opened up my window to the outside, it like overlooked this abandoned straight strip club. Right. So like, yeah, it was it, it was like a metaphor for my life. It was, and, and you were there for two weeks before. You guys could go on the set yeah, and start doing we your thing. To, yeah. Yeah. So we totally what did we do? Like we the 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 we knew we were gonna be doing the uh the table read on Zoom, but it was one of those like like Brady Bunch moments where like you know, like the grid pops up and like all of a sudden like this this star and this star and this cast member and this director and the executive producer and Amblin and like all these things started popping up and it was just one of those moments it was like it was like goosebumpy because it was just like I'm like, Oh, there's Tia Ferrer. Yeah. And, Waving at everybody, and there's Lou Diamond Phillips, and there's Jimmy O. Yang, and there's Eva Lozada, and uh, just heroes of mine. And it was it was just one of those like, it, it was kind of like as it was happening, it was like uh, it, it was pretty visceral. Can you ask answer me this question? Is it Tia Carrere or Tia Carrera? <laughs> because Carrera. I feel like professionally it has been both. I don't feel like I just got confused because I actually interviewed her. Once oh, or yeah. twice for Movie Line magazine, way back during the Wayne's World era. I remember yeah. liking her. And oh, here's a deep cut. I have her CD, and I could sing along to it. Like, I liked her pop uh, CD. I bet I, I still have it in the house. I cannot wait to tell her that. Oh, yeah. She is going to oh, yeah. It was so solid. It was good. I listened to it oh, a yeah. lot. She's extraordinary. Yeah. I just, it is career. It is career. Okay. Yeah. I think that's it. I think that's right. She drives a Carrera. I can tell her that. She I does? Can tell that. Yeah, she does. She has a, a Carrera. So, uh, no wonder people are confused. She's not helping the confusion. She's not helping it. Yeah. But she's, uh, she's, I love her so much. I mean, it's, it's to play her brother. On, yeah. uh, I, I, I couldn't have written that. That was great. I loved she's, her take on the character, too. She was kind of like, she did, just didn't give a shit. Like, I kind of like, I love, I love, Jesus. especially female characters like that. Now, yeah. your character, Arthur, is full of surprises. Um, <laughs> what was fun about creating that character? What did you get a kick um, out of? You know, it, 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 what was fun about him is like discovering him as I went along. Cause like, to, to, to be honest, I think that the character wasn't fully fleshed out once we went into production. And then they started, they, I mean, we knew, you know, without giving too much away, we knew that there was going to be elements. Right. The specific things that were going to be revealed. Right. But, um, I, I feel like they let me, and again, this is a testament to, to, Jay, our director and Joe Coy, our star, like they just let us play and they let us, they, they knew that I knew who this person was going to be because I am Filipino. I grew up Filipino. I'm very proudly Filipino. So to sort of throw that on me would have, I think, would have done a disservice. Like, I think they really realized that they're like, we got the person because this person knows this world and will be able to bring humanity to this, this character. So when we started, it just, it evolved from there. And I feel like uh, the best parts were that, that they just let me play. They let me find it. You know, parts of it are a very specific uncle of, I have, but then the rest of it are like, it's the rest of Arthur. And I would say this, I, I could speak for the cast that everybody brought 
you know, like ancestors and they brought like people I've worked with. I mean, certainly Alec Mappa, who's a dear friend of both of ours. Like I brought, I made, he's a comedic genius. And I, 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 I carried the spirit of all of these wonderful Filipinos that I've ever encountered into this performance. And I think that everybody can say that they did the same. Well, your answer makes me think of this idea that for Anglo actors, you do a movie if it does good, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But you, there's, there's, you feel like there's a lot riding on it, and, and, and like you need it to do well. And on the one hand, I think that's exciting. It's meaningful. It's important. On the other, you're like, fuck, can I just do a movie? And like, does it ha- you, know, you know what I mean? Do I have to feel this additional pressure, right? So talk yeah. about the, the, the two sides of that. Yeah, if I could do a project where I don't have to talk about it. So when I have to use the word stories, right. representation, uh, equality, right. like, I mean, if I can do just one project where I just can, you know, just, just be, I think that that to me, I would say that, that there's, there's the, the, the goal, but that being said, you know, I, I, I'm very proudly being that representative and that person who's sort of on the forefront trying to fight for that kind of representation. And yeah, it does. If, if I'm being completely honest, it sucks. It sucks that we, that I, we have this added responsibility and nice. I don't mean that in disparagingly. I mean, it just sucks that we're still in a place where when you put an entire cast of people who look like me, it means the added pressure is you guys better deliver because this is yeah. going, this could potentially be either the beginning of something great or the end of something uh, or the end of something. Yeah, it's all on so, you. It's all on yeah, you. So you so, better tweet yeah. your fucking asses off. I, so just, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There was a lot of that. I mean, oh, you for see. sure. Yeah. Everybody go see it. Things. Everybody, po- you know, and, yeah. uh, but you get why it's important. Of course it is. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot, but, yeah. um, I will talk about some other aspects of your character. You are a, I think a postman or some kind of delivery man. Yeah. yeah I'm a postman. <laughs> I feel a little cheated that we didn't see you in uniform. Did we not? I know. Well, there's, we, we didn't shoot that, but you know, we talked a lot about it. There was, I mean, because I feel like he would rock shorts. I feel like he would rock shorts, right? Well, and maybe was, they would fit a little tight. I mean, I guess I can reveal this now that it's already out there. So, um, yeah, I'm going to reveal. It. Sorry, Universal. Anyway, um, that so there was talk. I got a call. Was it last uh, a, uh, in 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 the winter, like around November, almost uh, almost a year after we shot it, and there was talk about. Um, Manny Pacquiao, for those of you who've seen the movie, we talk about Manny Pacquiao, the boxer. The, yes. the so he's a huge deal. And there was talk about potentially, without giving a plot point away, there was talk about him making um, a cameo. Sure. In the film. And uh, and I was going to be uh, delivering very specific something to him. So there, in that case, there would have there there I would have rocked the shorts. Yes, but, for sure. Uh, Manny Pacquiao, as many uh, a politician, uh, uh, you know, many a, a, a non-politician does in the Philippines, is they run for president. Right. And he he ran for president, and so he was not available. So they ended up uh, uh, scrapping that idea. But that was a possibility. Yeah, maybe in part two. Uh, a, a sequel, <laughs> if it comes. Oh, that would be great. That's why we're trying to get people into the theaters because we want people to. We want the part two to happen. I loved your red carpet look. I Thank felt you. like you nailed it. Uh, if yeah. I were on Fashion Police, I would give you a thumbs up. What was that it like to go to a... Wait, what? Say it. Fashion Police was extraordinary. <laughs> You're a fan of Fashion Police? We could never oh, do my... that show today. Um, I, I mean, but it's iconic. Yeah, it for sure yeah. is. It for yeah. sure, you know, it made people laugh. It made me oh, laugh being there. It's extraordinary. It was iconic. I, I, yeah. I love that. 
But what was it like to get to pick an outfit for the red carpet and a premiere and all of the all of the trappings of a big movie like that? What, what was that like? Can I tell you my story behind that? That yes. that because I've not talked about it very much. I, I this is a scoop. It. This is a fashion scoop. I have talked about it, but I love the story. Um, I initially was going to wear. There's a, a shirt called a Barong Tagalog. And uh, the Barong Tagalog is a formal shirt that Filipinos wear. Uh, it is, um, uh, it's uh, made of coconut fiber sometimes and uh, uh, bamboo fiber sometimes. Uh, but it's a very formal shirt, and it's very sheer, so you can see through it. Um, and I was going to do it as an homage. And, you know, I was talking to fellow cast members, and we were going to sort of, like, collectively do this thing because we, we wanted to sort of represent the Philippines on this uh, in this moment. And... Uh, I got my shirt and I loved it. I still love it. Uh, uh, but I was like, I, I want to make an, a bigger impact. I, I mean, yes. This isn't popping. Shirt, it's na- the it's shirt, nice. The, shirt, the shirt's beautiful, but. Not popping. Yeah. yeah my uncle has one. So, um, uh, so I, I was talking to my friend, uh, a dear friend of mine, Drew Hines, and he was a former stylist in New York and like in a, like, like fashion week stylist, like knows his, his work. And so his, his, uh, job and job, he knows his job very well. And I, he's like, well, let's talk about what you want to do. And I was like, well, I want to wear, I wore, I saw, I'm a huge tennis fan, very specifically Roger Federer. And this may sound really strange, but I, Roger Federer went to the Met Gala many years ago. And he wore this Gucci, this embroidered Gucci jacket. Right this on. Yeah. And so, um, uh, so my friend reached out to, he's like, hmm. And so Drew goes, he's let, like, me, let see. me, let me stew on this for a bit. Let me percolate yes. on these thoughts for a second. No joke. Right. That's exactly what he and said. He starts sketching. Like, he's like sketching. Yeah. I mean, that's literally what happened. So he starts sketching. It. And then he, he reaches out to a friend of his and he reaches out and he's like, Hey, like, what do you think? And then the person's like high end, like Chanel embroider. She's like, Pasha, I don't even know who this guy is. Yes. No, thank you. But let me introduce you to this apprentice. And right. so that's like, what you want the apprentice. Cause they're going to put yes. their heart in it. That's yes. exactly what happened. So we found this, this very sweet, like uh, her name is Eulalia Hegner and she's done some stuff. She's done some stuff like that's been in vogue and stuff like that. But then she reached, she, uh, uh, worked with Drew, myself, and uh, to come up with this, uh, the design on the tuxedo, and she did it bead by bead by bead by bead by bead. Now, and, this yeah. is not a visual medium, so describe the the look. Sure. So it is a it is a navy tux, but the reason why it was navy is because we really wanted to highlight the embroidery in the back. So on the back, there was uh, it looks a little military. There's like a little bit of a um, uh, uh, almost an overlay of the the of gold on my right shoulder, and then so people are like, "Hey, what's that on your right shoulder?" Turn around, and then you see this uh, embroidered glittery sun. Uh, that is the Philippine sun that is on the Philippine flag. And uh, it was embroidered on the back and it's a one of a kind. I'm very, very uh, proud of it. And it's just, it's just one of those things that one of those moments that I, the impact I wanted to to have on the carpet, uh, it wouldn't have been as um, much of a talking point as this tuxedo, because it is a one of a kind. So that, that to me was what exactly what I wanted to do. And I feel like we accomplished it. Yeah. You made the most of the moment. You, you, you nailed it. You like rose to the occasion. You put some thought into it and she sewed bead by bead, right? It took hours. It It took months. She, we started. So when did this start? We started in May and, and, 
you know, the designs were finalized in May and we, uh, yeah, May, uh, maybe even right late April. And then we just went back and forth. And then, you know, you, uh, the, uh, the designer was in New York. So like, this was like, this was one of those, I didn't fly back and forth for fittings. Like it literally was one of those, let's just send measurements over. Let's do a lot of zooming. Let's do a lot of like taking a look at the progress and just cross our fingers that it, it, it fits. And so when we got it to, um, when we got it, it was this one of those, I, I put it on Dennis and I started crying. Oh, of course you did because it's so yeah. meaningful and beautiful. It's like a wedding dress. I was like, this is, this is my wedding dress. Like, this is exactly what happened. I put it on and I was like, this is the right thing. Uh, it's meaningful. It's, it's, it's representative of something very dear to me, but then also it would just, you know, I mean, it just made me feel like it made me feel like I may never have this moment again. Right, well, you made the most of it. So I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to to minimize the situation and try and maximize it instead. But and when something's tailored to you and you put it on, it's just sort of like oh my body's the way it's meant to be. Like it just <laughs> it just makes you feel really good. I've only had that experience yeah. a handful of times. What was the premiere like overall? The screening the itself, premiere. the whole night, the whole was it? Well, were you able to really take it in and 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 have a ball? Uh, yeah, I think I was. I think if I I was for. I wasn't going to, um, I was, you know, leading up to it. It's, it's a lot, Dennis. I mean, I've been, I've been, as you know, I mean, I've been a, a plus one for so many years and I, I've always known that it's a circus, but to sort of be on this end of things right. and be the person who like, you know, it is like planning a wedding, uh, uh, a bat mitzvah, a funeral, uh, like a graduation all at the same time. Like it is literally, it's, it's a fucking circus. Right. Like, and, um, you know, like, especially during COVID, we had COVID, um, a lot of COVID restrictions. So there was that I had to contend with. Um, and so like, we were worried that like, at any point along the way, if any of us tested positive, there goes our red carpet, right? So, like, this All whole... Of the thing, beads, the, oh, yeah, the, the, the planning whole, of it, I was yes. like, if I have to fucking show this thing on Instagram, like, and that's the only way I'm going to... I'm like, I'm going to run around Ralph's grocery right. shopping with you. I'm yeah. not... Look. So, that was a huge... We were talking about this leading up to it, the weeks leading up to it. We were like, oh my gosh, like, how do we celebrate yeah. and do all of the pre, the, you know, the press stuff beforehand and avoid getting COVID so that we could fully celebrate our, our red carpet premiere? And thank God we were all able to do that. We you, were all, you know, yeah. Yeah, you pulled it off. Did you, who complimented? Who, what's a compliment you'll remember on your a compliment? I'll yeah. remember. Was Kay um, Capshaw there? I know Spielberg's somehow in the mix here. Yeah, Spielberg was an executive producer. No, they weren't. They right. were not. They were they were off doing doing Spielberg stuff. Um, sure. But uh, the uh, I would say the biggest compliment. I, I mean, like it was just that sun when people the instantaneous recognition of the the sun because it is, you know, it's the, it's 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 a very specifically iconic Filipino symbol, right? right. And the that the people turning around and people gasping at it. That to me was like the kind of thing that, uh, to me, the most memorable stuff people, I knew people were going to come up and be like, let me touch it. You know, that stuff was fine, but it was get, getting people to recognize that that is a very iconic Filipino symbol was very special to me. Now, what was it like working with Joe Coy, the star of the film? I mean, he's very appealing, very winning. I mean, I, I love him. I, I love him more and more each day. He's, 
Uh, one of the things, I mean, I could, the stuff that we know, he's incredibly funny. I mean, much like you, Dennis, like he's one of those guys who you just know he's going to deliver the funny at any given point. It's like impossible for him not to. Like we knew that. Like uh, we know that he's people, you know, again, just typical thing. Like when you're really that gifted of a comedian, you kind of, for those people who are actors, like you know that, you know what, there is a deep, deeper side to them that I knew that he was, I could anticipate him delivering a really like heartfelt performance. And you saw the movie. So like the, the stuff that he did at the dinner table and stuff, that was really it was really wonderful to sort of be there as an audience member to him in that moment and see him emerging as an actor. Right. Um, but I would say that the thing that people don't realize about him is his extraordinary generosity. And I mean that in, on, as an actor, but I also mean that as a humanitarian, like he is unbelievable. And Tiffany Haddish as well. Like they're both like these extraordinary humanitarians and all of it goes under the radar. Nobody knows what they're doing to further representation, to further, you know, their own communities, uh, uh, to fit with the African-American community and Joe with the Filipino community. The amount of resources that they're they're pumping into these communities, it's really, it just makes me, like, uh, uh, admire him more, more and more each day. He's just fantastic. He's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, Tiffany Haddish is funny as hell in the movie. You could tell oh. they have a fun thing going on. Like, they have a, you could tell that you feel like they have a, a history yeah. or yeah it's it's delightful yeah. Yeah, um, stories. now you are also a, an instructor at uh usc um you yeah. teach acting how long have you been doing that um i've been teaching now at usc since 20 when it was my failed pilot uh, uh <laughs> that's how you tell time 2017 yeah 2017 so yeah. the uh, around, right around 2017 i don't want to say failed pilot it didn't get picked up sure it was a robot. but that being said um it was 2017 that I got a phone call uh, asking if I would be interested in teaching a class about the uh, uh, about an actor, sort of the extension of an actor, meaning like what else can an actor do to sort of maintain themselves in the entertainment industry? And somebody knew that I kind of had all these tentacles. Right. And so uh, Dan Shaner, wonderful casting director, former casting director in L.A., he uh, he's like, I know this actor who's, you know, who's written scripts and sold stuff and and uh has directed before is also a theater actor so like this is the kind of guy who i think he would be the right person to teach this one class right which is about and, uh, like building a life yeah. that works so you can do this thing and still the, it was the beginnings it was the really the beginnings of the multi-hyphenate right yeah. it's and uh um i certainly didn't go in there being like i'm a multi-hyphenate i just knew that i built a career being able to do these different things and um uh and then I, I, it was one of those, I wasn't sure. I was like, okay, I'll teach a class, but then I've got these other things I got to tend to. And then I taught that class and I, I, I got bit. Like it was, I love, I absolutely love doing it. I will never not give that, that, that position up. What do you love about it? Um, the short answer is it, rem the, uh, on a selfish level, it reminds me of, on a daily basis, everything that I love about the entertainment industry, uh, you know, I mean, we've been in it for a minute, right? So like I could easily go into everything wrong with it. Sure. It doesn't serve. These kids don't pay $60,000 a year. And that's the tuition at USC. They don't pay $60,000 a year for a jaded 
actor to come in and be like, here's what the real deal is. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to get, find something. Like, they're not there for that. So, it, at the, you know, I leave all of my cynicism and all of that stuff at the door. So I come in here, I come in to my classrooms just really uh, uh, reminding, them, you know, teaching them, but reminding myself about everything that's really great about this industry. I wouldn't be here, still be here, if I didn't have deep fondness for what it is that I do. And I, I am reminded every day when I'm in a classroom how lucky I am to still be doing it, you know, and still find new things like Easter Sunday and television work, whatever. But also, um, cause you know, the minute I leave that, that room and I'm get, I get a phone call that, oh, I didn't get that. Or I have a 15 pager due tomorrow, or I have, you know, I have, you know, like just all the things that come along with being an actor. I was like, uh, it really has saved me on so many levels. It sounds so crazy to say, but teaching has done that for me. Right. Um, it took the pressure off, I think, because it, it gives you another off. thing. Completely. Like, I, it, yeah, you're right. Dennis. I've had it's a like, shift around this because I think when we're brought up as performers or writers or whatever it is, everyone says, you've got to love it the most. You can't do anything else. You have to suffer for it. And the show business gods will reward you for your devotion. Not for really how hard you work or how good you are, but for the suffering and the devotion. And if you do anything else, and God forbid you like it and are good at it, well, then you're cheating on your dream and it's not going to come true. When the reality is, if you find something else that's meaningful and fun, it takes the pressure off. You can hang in longer. You're not as desperate when you go in to do things, and you're a more interesting person. I mean, yeah. that's what I've observed. So when somebody else says, you know what? I've started doing pottery, and I love it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Do yes. it. You're not yes. cheating on acting. No. no, no, no. It is literally it's, – it's the reason why I'm still doing this. Because it's Honestly. kept you kind of sane and it's given you meaning, right? You know, Kate Burton is also a, a professor there and we came in at the same time. And if there's anybody who doesn't need to be teaching, it's Kate Burton. Right. right? She, Kate Burton. a Broadway person, Broadway, right? Broadway. Yeah. She's in every, she's in every Shonda Rhyme show. Right on. Uh, she's the gray in Grey's Anatomy, right? right? She's the vice president of Scandal. She's like in every show. Right. The man. And she doesn't have to be there. And when... I asked her one time, you know, we, we've become really dear, uh, uh, colleagues, both as actors and as, as professors, but I'm like, why she's like, Rodney, this is literally what, why I'm able, what, because it reminds me why I'm able to continue doing what I'm doing. Right. She's got Shonda Rhimes on speed dial. There's literally no reason she needs to be a full-time professor at USC. But she is, she, we, we both have the same reasons for doing it. It, it really allows us to go in there and take, like you said, it takes the pressure off of it at, at any given time. Like, I don't have to worry. Like, I don't have to worry about this job, not me not booking this job because guess what? My life is provided for with this, right? And then artistically speaking, like, I'm, you know, doing, you know, like, you know, serving somebody papers and be like, here, you, you know, you're being arrested. Like, that isn't always necessarily as fulfilling, but I come in and I'm working on plays that I've forgotten about, you know, because, you know, for many, many years. And I get to revisit all of that as a teacher. So, and introduce that to a new crop of young actors. So that to me is what's incredibly satisfying. You know, a few years ago, um, I wasn't quite making enough money doing my creative thing. And so, uh, and I was kind of in a, in a not great place, but I took a, um, a seasonal job at Crate and Barrel, like working in the stockroom. And I was oh, like, yeah. you know what? I can't make anything happen, but I can move those fucking spatulas from there to there. 
you know, and it was a bit minimum wage. And I stayed doing yeah. it kind of part-time while I was trying to figure out stuff. And you know what I liked about it? It was fair. Yeah. It was fair. Like, like when, when do we ever get that in this? But in, right. And, and there wasn't, and there are other worlds outside of show business where the vibe is different. You know, some of the hosting these virtual games, it's just a different vibe. And, um, I find it, uh, nourishing in a way I, I um, the store went under at the Grove and, and like, I'm, I'm, I've got enough going on now that I don't need yeah. it. But at the time it was like, it was eight or 10 hours a week that I didn't have to try to make something happen. Yeah. All I had to do was put those bags behind the stock thing. The people were pretty nice. Like, yeah. I don't know. It, it served me well during that time. But yeah. I think having another thing, we were taught all the way along the, the journey that that's a mistake. You're, you, you got to be all in. You got to suffer. You know, I don't think that's true. I think that's no. not true. It's funny you said that, Dennis, because I completely agree. Like, I feel like it was ingrained in me that to think that oh teaching is a side job right, right. those a, that can't uh, do teach yes yes exactly it's been i mean i've heard that over and over again and i i have to say i probably believed it for many many years but isn't but it then, cool that you're like sorry i'm out this week i'm on the set like yeah like oh yeah i mean yeah i mean it's been great it's been great to sort of be like oh uh you guys we can't do class today but i'm gonna zoom you in hey introduce you to mark Harmon. like it's been you know what i mean it's been really wonderful being able to do stuff like that but i remember i was at an audition this is pre-pandemic like like the year before the pandemic and i remember i ran into a friend said friend likes to put you know their foot in their mouth a lot and uh uh someone some said friend said friend i put in quotes came up to me at the audition and goes, I heard you're teaching just like that. Like, for oh, a yeah. and I was all like, I was like, yeah. And, and I was like, I, I, I knew something was coming. And this is in front of a room full of people. And, and, and he goes, uh, he goes, uh, he's like, I've taught before. I'm like, I actually love it. And he looked in front of everybody. He goes, nobody loves teaching. And I, in that moment, I could have easily sort of like, you know, like scurried away from it, but I totally just entertained. I was like, no, I, I'm sorry to, I'm, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. I yeah. actually really love it. And then like the look of like, what, like what I, I, I this conversation must end because I, I, I hear somebody who actually enjoys right. this alternate career. You couldn't and get on that cynical train with him. He couldn't, couldn't get on, get on it. it. Yeah, he's like, you must be, uh, he's like, only failed actors teach. I'm like, well, then if that's what you think of me, then, you know, it was nice knowing you. It's this myth that you have to only do the thing or yeah. it's not going to, It's you're it's not myth. legitimate. You're not going to get the breaks. The, sh- the show business gods are going to smile on you. All that to Alexandra Billings, who, who her office is next to mine. You know, like Alexandra Billings is one of the most working. Right. She's crushing it. On the face of this. She was doing a Broadway show while she was a yeah. full-time professor at USC. Like. Yeah. It's it can we can make it happen like the the world can make it happen. It's I think we've given ourselves those, uh, you know those those confines, and that's a shame. Yeah. What are the students like? What moves you about them? Oh, um, yes, it is the there are a lot of people who are the university spoiled children. I'm going to be honest. Sure. But it's not that's not just is that, is that like a USC uh, meme kind of thing? Yeah. 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 Okay. Like people, I've I've also heard recently the unimpressed student of Caucasians. <laughs> All right. There's a lot of there's a lot of like you know yeah. uh, you know like that's not going to happen to me kind of thing rolling their eyes, but for the most part I've had nothing but 
for the most, I've had, I, I am very, very lucky that I, I am, uh, I've been, uh, my classes have been attended to by some really, really dedicated, talented, um, just super, super, super like special, like actors. A lot of them, I would say, I would say a solid 95% of my, my studentship, if you want to call it that is, are, are wonderful and are, are, nothing makes me happier. I keep telling him this. I go, it doesn't serve me at all whatsoever for you to not to be doing this when you leave. It actually is really, really beautiful when I see you, you know, coming into your own as actors and, and booking shows and getting agents and all that stuff that, um, because quite, it, it wasn't that easy for me. And I, I don't want that pathway for anybody who really wants to do this. So, um, yeah, that it's been for the most part, it's, they're great. Of course I get, the students, I, it's, it's college, right? So right. I get students who are like apathetic or Rodney's, you know, a fuddy duddy. What does Rodney know? You know what I mean? Oh, Rodney's only been, well, whatever, you know, Rodney's only been on this show or Rodney's only worked with that person versus, you know, they have this idea of what it's Hollywood is like. Um, and I think that that to me is that was, that comes with the territory. Uh, you know, I, there's none of this, all that stuff rolls off my back. Now, do they do scenes for you? I bet you don't have to grade papers, though. Do you ever have to grade papers? I do. I what mean, do they I'm, do papers about? When I do, tests? it depends on the class. I mean, I also teach writing. Uh, oh, right and, on. Okay. I teach uh, transitional writing for playwrights into TV and film. So when I do that, I make them write stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, when I do, you know, when I make them, I do make my, if I teach, uh, you know, uh, a play, I make them do some kind of analysis on it. And if anything, I don't do it because I'm trying to be really academic about it. Right. I just wish when I read a play in high school, I have, a, a, or in college, I, I, I did some kind of really solid analysis on it. So like 20 years later, when I have to recall it, I could just go back to my own Cliff Notes version of it. Right. And go, oh, that's, that's what why. this is about. Yeah. That's yeah. why. So I yeah. don't do it. I even tell them, I'm like, I'm not trying to get some sort of like amazing. I, I don't do like this whole, like, it'll be a 500 word paper, you know, single space. I don't do that kind of stuff. Right. I go, I just want to see that you had a deep, uh, 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 you had a deep understanding of the, the play. Cause you will, it will come back to you at some point, especially yeah. people who want to go into theater. How's your um, office? Are we like rich woods, deep woods, very no, paper chase, very. Um, my office is so tiny. I mean, like I lie down on it and it's like, it it reminds me of one of my first apartments in New York. It's so tiny, Yeah. but I, you know, I don't spend much time in it. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm one of those guys. I, I, I try and be amidst, I'm a kind of a social creature. So I try to be amidst my students when I can, if I need a, a meeting, we'll do, we'll do the meeting at Starbucks and then, I, um, and then I go home. I don't necessarily spend too much time in it. So I don't need it to be this extraordinary office. Was there ever a time in your journey where you're like, I'm done with this crap. This is too, this is not for me. I mean, I'm going to do three o'clock today. I mean, <laughs> it's something you think about. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's tough. It's a tough life. You know, this is not, and I don't mean tough in like, uh, like, uh, it's always bad. I mean, it, it's exhausting. And even when things are, you know, you know, quote unquote, great. It's, it's, it's overwhelming. Cause you, and I don't know, I'll speak for myself here, but like, as I get older, I also want to like build the stuff that older people have. I want to build like family memories. I want to travel more. And as an actor, as a, you know, we're certainly on call at any given, or at least we're be- led to believe that we're on call. Right. right. 
something. Oh, if I leave there, it's going to be pilot season. And oh my gosh, these opportunities or, you know, episodic season, all these terms that are thrown at, at actors. And for me, I just, I want to um, make sure I'm tending to the other parts of my life and not just, it just be, you know, consumed by teaching and being, uh, in the business. So I, that to me is why I would say like, there are times when I'm like, you know what, maybe I'll give it a break for this year and really tend to my life. Right. But eh, I mean, I've, I've, I think I've figured out the recipe now where it's it, uh, how to make it all work, but it is, there are times when I just wake up and I'm like, you know what, I really would like a month in Hawaii right now. And, and that would be really awesome. And, and, um, you know, I'm trying to figure that out. So I love it. You got to go to the Oscars this year. Yeah, I remember reading about that and seeing the pictures and stuff like that. How did that come about? So when uh, I was nominated, there apparently Will Packer, the executive producer, director of this year's Oscars, he wanted to do something, uh, actually for the last two years, he's wanted to do something more special with the Oscar presenters. And what I mean by Oscar presenters is the people, not the celebrities or the actors who are calling out the nominate the you know the the winner but the people who the trophy presenters right. is what they're called the trophy right? people sure yeah normally models whatever right. normal, yeah um and uh they reached out they did something where they wanted to to reach out to educators who are working who are uh, what they said is outstanding contribution to the field of entertainment and so i was nominated by um former usc alums who were in the academy right on and I, didn't, I didn't know like you i did not I got, know you had been put up for this no i didn't know at all whatsoever in january you know january as you know is award season right so anything that has anything an email was sent to me and anything that has to do with anything like awards i ignore Right, because like, you think it's somebody trying to get you to vote or watch the screener or whatever. Oh, or watch the screener or, you know, here, I'm like, I don't need to, uh, yeah. Uh, so That's I ignore So when I said Academy, I was like, ignore, ignore, ignore. So apparently in January I was nominated. And then I got like, I was like a finalist in like February and didn't, again, ignored that email. And finally I got a phone call from one of the producers and she's like, hey, we've been trying to get a hold of you. And I was like, Okay. And then she was like, so you were nominated, you were uh, shortlisted, and then you won. You you're, you got the, the... And you didn't do anything any along that journey at all. You just kept advancing. I was on the 101 getting off on violin. I picked up my phone, and I totally... <laughs> I was like, who is this? Uh, stop calling me. I don't, you know, I don't... Right, I don't you thought it was her. a solicitor. Yeah, and she was like, she was like, yeah, we'd love to have you. And it was... Um, it was great. I mean, I, again, it was, it was easy for me. Cause I knew, you know, again, I'm also like, there were, it was great because it was like, there were professors who were there and I got to meet some professors and it was just great. And then there were students filmmaking, up and coming filmmaking students. And that was really uh, uh, great. How many were you? I think there were six, six or seven. Right on. Who did yeah, you actually was, get to hand a trophy to? Um, Chris Rock. Right on. Oh shit. Oh yeah. I was there the whole entire time. That oh was my the, gosh! The, what can yeah, you? I, what can yeah, you, if you watch after the slap that shook the world. You literally see this little nebulously ethnic five foot five Filipino guy being like, "Here you go, good luck." You know what I mean? To like to the guy that made uh, to Questlove. Did, so what happened? You handed is, it to Chris Rock, and Chris Rock handed it to Questlove. Yeah, totally to Questlove. So Chris Rock gave me my first television job ever. Wow! In what? In the Chris Rock show back right when we had that like talk like slash it was a talk show back in on HBO back in the 
early 2000s, late 90s. Remember? Yeah. And uh, I auditioned. Someone saw me in a theater gig in New York and was like, hey, we're doing this little spot, this little sketch that we need an Asian guy. And that guy, let's, let's, and I went in and auditioned and I got it. And I met Chris Rock uh, at that time. Anyways, that was like nine, I want to say that was like 99 even, maybe a little later than that, 2000. And when we were getting ready to go on, I told him that story and he's like, hey man, that's great. He's like, thanks for telling me, you know? Yeah. And so, and then, you're standing, I'm standing, the way it works at the Oscars is, um, and forgive me if this is public information, but I didn't know, is uh, they don't know till the moment they announce who's the winner. Right. Right. So we, they, they, uh, the uh, assistant director has a very strategic way of handing out the actual Oscar trophy itself. So if it's this show they have two people so one actor one trophy presenter only has two maximum two trophies in their hands right so they i had two trophies in my hand and the way it was work was going to work was the 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 list of people there were not that many so it was just me and the assistant director standing at the side and i think one other person was standing behind me with one trophy and then we're waiting there, waiting for this thing to happen, for them to announce the nominees and then the winner, and then the slap happened. Right. Would there, it's very, very, uh, um, it's a well-oiled machine back there. So, like, there were only the people in that VOM, in the right off stage, that, that were going to walk on stage and the assistant director. So it was just us there, and we could see the whole thing happen in front of us. And so it was really, uh, it was certainly shocking i leaned over to the assistant director and i was like what do we do now and she's like i have no idea like so because she's she's like this has never happened so and she's she comes from a family of people who work the oscar so this is like old hat to her but she didn't know what to do there in that moment and then she was getting fed like like uh she was getting fed instruction and she's like just stay put just stay put so we stayed, stayed put and they went on with it and then you literally when they make the announcement you see me walk up with the trophy and chris rock Again, uh, he was wonderful, but he was still stunned, and you can of see that. Of course, he was stunned, and you can see that his lip was like quivering, and he just um, he you hear you see him talk, and he's talking up, but I heard him, and he says um, he says to me, um, "What do we do now?" And I just said, "I go, I'll just guide you to your, I'll just guide you to your spot, and just stand there." And I go, "Here, don't forget the trophy." And then, so we go, oh yeah, and he gives the trophy over to them. Right, so, so this is after he announced the name, and, they're, and you're waiting for Questlove to come on the stage, and everyone's yeah. still going, what the fuck just Yeah, happened? so he's, if you see Chris Rock, he's like looking up, or up and about, because he's still like shocked, yeah. right? And Questlove comes on stage, and that's when I, you see me talk to, just really quickly talk to Chris, I'm like, here, I'm going to give, don't forget the trophy, and give it to Questlove. And so he gets, he goes, oh yeah, and then he gives it to Questlove. So, because he was stunned. I mean, of I would course. be So he, like, he gives oh, yeah. the trophy to Questlove, and then he, does he come back and stand by you? Yeah, he stands in front of me, and I just guide him to, to in front of me. And then as he's walking off, like you see him walk in the wrong. He's, I mean, he again, he's stunned. He walks up the wrong entrance, and I think it was Chino De Niro and uh, Scorsese walking in. Right. That walk. He walks in that the wrong. He rocks into the wrong area, and there's a camera, there's a a, um, a jib uh, where he's supposed to walk, and they clearly didn't get that walk up. So, like, um, yeah, it's you're totally... a part of history. <laughs> I mean, I was present at history. Yeah. For... 
Watching yeah. the show, I felt bad for everybody else that had a moment that night that no one's going to remember. What's something else about that night that you will always remember? Oh, my God. So I, where, what, there's, there's a lot. Oh yes, God, let's that, go. Let's go down the list. I love this whole, show. All right. Okay. So um, where do I start? So, like, there's a lot of rehearsal, right? right. So, like, we had, I had a week of rehearsal. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> One of the first things that was really funny is, I mean, again, we've been around a lot of celebrities. We know what that's like. There's nothing. You kind of just started. I'm like, I, I gave myself over to being a fly on the wall of this whole experience. I am, I'm well aware that I was not being celebrated, but I was help. So I was, I was there to help celebrate. Right. So I didn't really, uh, I just kind of sort of sat there and let it all happen in front of me. Um, so Anthony Hopkins, uh, I mean, again, another hero of mine comes in like just there's a the the backstage area is on like a on a rake yeah. to get a ramp to try and get people because the stage is built up. Um, he walks in and he's a little little slower, but just the sweetest, sweet, sweet, sweet man. And he comes and he sits next to me because the trophy presenters are right off of, to the side and he sits down because he's just waiting for his turn to go up and practice rehearse this thing and i took that moment because i'm a huge fan of his um tiktoks right so he he plays piano and if, for those people who follow him he also does he had this wonderful cat that he was in love with his, his his partner is this cat and the cat was the sweetest thing and i just was talking to him about his cat and how much I loved his TikToks. And he just leans over and he goes, oh, that's so good. I'm so gl- uh, glad you mentioned that. I'm so glad. Yeah. Sadly, he passed away. And I was like, oh, my God. So we just had this moment of, like, talking about this beautiful, this wonderful cat he had. And then in that moment, so he's, like, he had, I think he had a handler. But it looked like it was a friend. It was. It didn't look like it was, like, somebody who was, like, there. In, the mo- in that moment, you hear... Uh, Jason Momoa is coming. Jason Momoa is arriving. Jason Momoa is arriving. And like all of a sudden, the DNA backstage shifted. Right. Right. Like, all of a sudden, the worker ants like became the the flurry. Like right. Began. Everyone's turned on. I was like, everybody, like, what, what's happening? And then all of a sudden, like they were clearing a path for Jason Momoa. Meanwhile, again, remember Anthony Hopkins like made it up the ramp by himself. Right. Sitting, just waiting. Meanwhile, Jason Momoa is like they're clearing a pathway for Jason Momoa. Right. And I was like. Okay, and then that um, this sudden. dude won last year. I don't know if anyone remembers that, <laughs> right? Totally. Right. And then they take him. They, all of a sudden, turning the corner, Jason Momoa's in a wheelchair. Oh, I was like, is he okay? Because he's remember he hosted the pre-event, the, yeah. the, the I mean, the Oscars that are not uh, announced before the main ceremony, the televised ceremony. And I was like, oh my god, did he get injured? Is he okay? What's, okay. what's going on? Yeah, and so like. All of a sudden, like, like they wheeled him. He's like, he's like, hello, hello, hello. As he's walking, getting wheeled by everybody. And then they, like, wheel him right to the lip of the stage. And then he's like, all right, I got it from here. Gets up and just, like, walks like the virile man we all know him to be. So was he like, was being carried like Mariah to the stage? He like, was being carried like Mariah. It was so strange. <laughs> and then I was like, I was literally like. He's Aquaman. I was like, Hollywood is so fucking Hollywood, right? So I was like, what just happened? <laughs> and then we find out that he 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 hurt his foot. Okay. More specifically, he hurt his, hurt his toe. Okay. And he's in the middle of filming something, so they have to be very, they have to sort of take him off of, take as much pressure off of it as possible. Makes but in my perfect head, I was sense. Like, I, sure, but I, there was a little bit of like, I'm like, they, they, it, was, it felt a little histrionic, to right. be honest. Like, 
he he looks fine. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's not in a cast. He yeah. wasn't have he didn't have any sort of assistance, sure. you know, like that. So it just was the irony is like here's Oscar award winning, uh, you know, Anthony Hopkins like doing everything by himself and then there's Jason Momoa being tended to like Yeah. like a like a, a precious uh, figurine and it was Again, that comes know, with the they, territory when you're in the Marvel universe, unless he's yeah. in the DC. I don't, I don't know which one's which, but I don't you know, know and I, I don't know if I ever will be. But it was just one of those moments. I was like, but I will That's say amazing. one of the most beautiful moments was um, uh, the Williams sisters. So Serena and Venus, um, it was great to sort of like. So yeah, they're they're. I mean, again, I'm a huge tennis fan, so I've always known. You know, I've always been a fan of theirs. Right. But um, they at rehearsal, they were they were great. They were super friendly. Uh, I got the chance to talk to Venus about, you know, me watching her at Wimbledon and Serena was super friendly and they were both really, really nice. Right. Um, and then, of course, the, ne- the next day at the Oscars, they were the first people uh, on stage because they announced Beyonce and um, they were stunning. They came backstage and they were stunning. And then Venus was the first one. No, Serena was the first one to, I think it was Venus. No, Venus was the first one to arrive. And she, um, she's on her phone and she's like, anybody see my sister? And, uh, uh, Serena finally comes up and, uh, and they're, they're talking. And, you know, of course there's all now that there's all these cameras around and people are starting to take pictures backstage and, um, and it's about to start and, and, you know, it's goose, it's a goosebumpy moment for anybody who's sort of like present. And we were, I was sit, standing right, uh, sitting right next to them about to go on stage. And, uh, in that moment, Serena grabs Venus and she goes, come here. And she, they, she grabs her both like, like, you know, like that wedding, that t- typical, like sort of wedding post. She grabs, they go, they, she grabs both of her hands and then they're like looking, their, their foreheads are almost touching each other. And they're look, she looks into her eyes and she goes, can you believe we're at the Oscars? Oh, and like, my it was gosh. just a little intimate moment between those two. And Venus goes, she goes, don't, don't I'm gonna cry. I'm going to cry. Like, and then they were just both sitting like, in each other. Like in that moment, it was just two sisters. You saw their relationship. I saw their relationship. I saw their humanity. I saw them like really just being, you know, people at an extraordinary event and them being able to be a part of it. And it was just really beautiful to see that intimate moment between these two giants of the world, right? They're just these larger than life sort of personalities. And it was nice to see their humanity in that moment. And they really love each other. Yeah. They really do get along. And I was like, it was just a really beautiful moment. So I, I was really proud to sort of witness that. Um, and there's a picture of them next to each other, but I don't there, think there's any, like, I don't think anybody knows what that moment what was yeah, happening. What was happening, what they were saying, what they were doing. You were right there. You were a fly on the wall. Did you, have a, did you have a Chastain moment or an Ariana DeBose moment? I had a both moment. I had a Jessica Chastain. It was beautiful. Anthony Hopkins uh, walks out with walks off with Jessica Chastain because they presented together. Right, of course. And her, she had a Jessica Chastain had a long train. And Anthony Hopkins, as they're walking out, she was almost going to trip over it. He bends over this gentleman of a elderly man, bends over. He's like, let me help you with that. And like totally helps her with she's like no 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 he's like oh fine you're fine you're fine you're fine and it was helping her with her train and then her um trophy yeah she she held the trophy and then he was like he was helping with everything else because he presented her award to her i love it i love it and then 
Debose. And Ariana Debose was backstage. She was great. Um, Troy Kotzer. Yes. Uh, who for best supporting. Uh, that was a beautiful moment that I witnessed backstage. He, uh, so uh, my partner, my husband, Jimmy. Right. Uh, Ryan, he has worked with Troy. So he, they know, they know each other. And I don't speak sign language. So I wasn't about to try and attempt to speak to him. Right. But, um, he comes off stage uh, afterwards. And again, I'm sitting by the table which uh the table in which the 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 assistant director's table which is right off of when you walk off stage there's a table right there and uh he comes off stage and um for after winning and of course the jib walks past him uh goes past he goes past the jib and then he gets and there's cameras everywhere and he gets to the table and he puts the trophy down and he just buckles to his knees and he starts crying Oh right? wow! And then his uh, his his um, interpreter, friend, his best friend, and his interpreter was over him, and then Choi's just signing something, and you just he and his his interpreter was saying he's just saying my dad, my dad, because mm. he was thinking about his Choi was thinking about his dad in that moment. Yeah, and it was again that was like one of those moments that, that I don't I don't know if that, that certainly wasn't in the papers or anything, but it was nice to see that it was beautiful to witness that personal moment between Troy and. Um, and then, of course, there was like these really weird moments. Like, uh, I'll never forget when Will, uh, when Will uh, Smith came off stage. He came off stage, and I was like, sitting there, and we we're just waiting for them to walk by us. And he was like, "Thank you, thank you, thank you." And then he's just apologizing to everybody. He was like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." Just like, like very politician. Like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." Like moving and through the just, crowd and apologizing to everyone he yeah. sees. Wow. Yes, and then his publicist. I mean, his publicist, it was really strange. Um, it was a white woman, and it was very weird to watch her. She was sobbing, like, we did it, we did it. And I was like, in this moment, I was like, um, he did it, but are you also aware of what he just did? Right, well? there's like, a like, lot those, to unpack here. Yeah, there was a lot of, like, there was a lot of, like, it was just this weird moment of like this publicist trying. It just felt well. That's so been her strange. life for a year, trying to get him that Oscar, right? Yeah, sure, um, sure, sure. But it was just felt so strange to witness her sobbing, him apologizing. They're holding an Oscar, and she's like, her knees are buckling, and he's just like trying to save face. Like we're all trying to, we're all still trying to yeah. figure out what the fuck happened. Like it was yeah. such a weird night. What was your overall takeaway from that experience? Like, this is an industry that's meaningful and powerful and, and it can be beautiful or it's it's weird or this is just part of the business. What did it mean to you to be um, there? It meant to me that, there's, that there was just still a lot, that I, at the risk of sounding, you know, politicizing it and sounding really cliche. There's a lot. I ran into friends of mine who uh, who – it was a great reunion with a lot of friends of mine who were either nominated or part of nominated films. And they were sitting way up. People of color were sitting way up in the balcony, like the third tier of the Kodak. Um, and then you look out into, cause you know, they, they allowed all of us trophy presenters to take a stand on stage when they when they st- when all of the the attendees started coming into the room because they wanted us to not be overwhelmed the first time we walked out, I was like, I've been doing theater for forever, I'll be okay. Yeah. But just let us step out, and I'll never forget. It was a, one of these profound moments where you look out, and it's and and I don't mean to sound this way, but I looked out into a sea of whiteness. Wow, that and struck you when you were looking it, out. It, it was like it like slapped me in the face. Wow. Quite frankly, 
like I looked around and you just see suits, tuxedos, and all these white, you know, white Hollywood. And I was reminded, like, those are the power players. Like, until we change that, right? then this representation is great. But the reality is it's the people who are in the position of power who need to really shift on so many levels. And, and that to me was what was really profound about that moment was that I was like, Oh gosh, all of these VIPs who are here, all of these people who are able to make all of these films happen are still white. Wow. And that was, was very, very profound for me. Yeah. So, and again, I'm not saying anything. Again, there are a lot of people in the industry who are white who get it with a capital I, Right. but Again, like it still feels. It, I have to say, it sometimes it still feels like a minstrel show. Yeah, and I guess when you have a visual picture in front of your face that is just so undeniable, it 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 hits you for sure. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So tell me about this new project you got going on. I could talk about the Oscars for a million years. There's so oh, many yeah, questions. So oh, I'm so yeah, that's I, a whole other. That's part that's two. a whole episode. Yeah, you're, that's you're, coffee. Tell me about yeah. Brother Son. So Brother Son is uh, the new Brad Falchuk, uh, uh, Byron Wu television show. Brad Falchuk uh, is Mr. Gwyneth Paltrow. Mr. Gwyneth Paltrow. And I've never yeah. met him or seen him, but I envy his hair. He's, oh, got, he's got, like, rock star Michael Hutchins in excess hair. Is it still long? Hair. It's still long. Yeah. It's still very much, very much. There, it's, it's a character onto itself. Uh, yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. No, no, yeah. no. I don't want it. It's power hair. It's like, power hair. Only people who have hair like that are in a position of power. It's pretty right. special. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'm sure like I'm sure his product is worth more than my oh, life. I mean, yeah. I'm um, sure there's but, goop product in there too. Yeah, there's goop. I mean, um, I think he thought his hair couldn't even get better and then there was some goop thing that Gwyneth came up with <laughs> and he's like, Holy shit. It is I'm even sure. better than it used it's, to be. And I'm sure it's a vegan product. For sure. Nobody's um, getting hurt. No, nobody. No, it's totally. He's great. Uh, it's the new show created by those uh, created by Byron, but um, executive produced uh, by um, by Brad and right it is Netflix. It is in. Uh, it stars Michelle Yeoh. National treasure. Um, I don't know which nation. All nations. International treasure. International treasure. International treasure. Yes. I mean, you know, I, I when I I just saw. Um, everything, everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once. She's astonishing in it. She's astonishing. I mean, if she, I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to say it publicly. If she does not win the Oscar, I don't know what else to do with my life. Like, I'm with you there. I will, but you're a presenter. Just go give it to her now. I know. Gosh, I should just, yeah, I should just, you know, like. Didn't you sneak one away? Didn't you like Trump? Didn't you take one home with you? Both things are more protected than than the president it's crazy it's really they're crazy. heavy too right they're heavy yeah they're cold um they're 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 serial numbers on every single one of them wow so can't steal it um but that being said uh she deserves it and i did not know i was doing this show uh at that time i knew i was uh, i was in the running but i didn't know i was going to be doing the show and she wasn't announced as the lead yeah. So, so when, uh, she was announced when I found out I got it, and I found out that she was the lead. I, I again one of those goosebump moments uh, because she's she's again another one of my heroes. I, yes, I'm a fan of hers. Uh, obviously, since Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but a lot of people don't remember she was she she was in Memoirs of a Geisha, and she was probably my favorite character in it. 
Right on. What is she like? What what surprised you about her? She's every nothing surprises you about her. She's yeah. everything. She's everything you imagine her to be. There's a regality to her. There is. She's beautiful. There's a stateliness to her. She is. Um, uh, the one thing that I guess people don't know about her because maybe they don't have a personal interaction with her. She's just so down to earth. Right I on. mean, in Balenciaga, but she's sure. very, she's very down to earth, right? Like she wore, we went to dim sum. Uh, she hosted a dim sum and she looked like she was in these like fancy pajamas. And of course there were Balenciaga. So like, like here we are dressing down in like old Navy. She's dressing down in Balenciaga. Yeah, so that's exactly. Cool. Um, what, she's great. what she's kind of so character down. do you play? I play uh, uh, the the character of Mark. I, I'm the de- the idiot detective. He's not that much of an idiot, but he's a little he's slow on the uptake. Um, and I'm one of the the detectives in charge of pursuing uh, pursuing a a crime family. Let's just put it that way. Right on. Like, so you so, get to be uh, a detective and say detective jargon and like yes, I right, do yesterday, ask questions. Yesterday I shot something in a in a in one of those those detective vans or like surveillance vans. Yeah, you know what I mean. I never thought I was going to be one of those guys, but I'm like in a van with a gun and a holster, and um, like it was it was pretty special. It's all part of the Rodney Sons. <laughs> I know you're I like you're being humble that. about the Rodney Sons, and I, I appreciate that. that. But do you think in your heart? Do you think do you think there's a reason that things have come around in a, in, a, in a great way? Do you think it's like I. Because I, I don't know, I, I quit caring so much. Or is there a recipe to this moment, or is it just uh, the you hung in? I don't want to cry during this, so I'm going to try. I'm going to try. But I have to say, look, I've been working my tail off. Sure. Yes. yes. I mean, and I know a lot of people who've been working their tail off. I mean, I know a lot. Uh, most actors who are still doing it at my age are still have been working their tail off. But this may sound strange. I mean, I had this really sort of, I had a, a string of luck. And I know luck is not the word I want to use, but I had a string of good projects that yeah, were happening. Out. Um, but I, I don't know if you know. So my best friend, uh, my best friend passed away in 2019, in 20, in 20, 2020. I and did not know that. I'm so I, sorry. I, I thank you. She, she passed away very suddenly. She had a stroke and, and, uh, I, I, she's like a sister to me. I talked to her every single day. And I have to say, like, since then, she's, I mean, something's been looked, she's something, she's also been a huge, like, one of the reasons why she was so much of a, uh, she was such a plus, she was so fun to be around. She's also loved everything about Hollywood. Right. She, she was, was so into it. She was a nurse. Right. So she didn't know anything about, like, she just loved it. Like, she loved red carpet. She loved waiting around on a set. She thought that was exciting. Yeah, right? she had I'm no like, cynicism about the business. No, nothing at all. She met Jesse, Jesse Martin one time, and she was like, she was like, oh, my God. And she could not stop gushing for years about meeting Jesse L. Martin, right? Like, so, like, um, so, but since then, like, I have to say, like, all these incredible things started happening and I, I have to believe that somehow she's behind it. That's amazing. Frankly, like, That's so moving. What's her so, name? Her name is Clavel Distor. Right on. Um, and it, it sucked that she, that something like this tragic like that had to happen. But she, I really do believe that, I mean, man, I, I, I don't know if all of this would be happening in my life right now, if I, I didn't have somebody sort of a, a deeper force behind it. And I really do believe that, that, that is 
she's part of it. Like all these crazy things, like her favorite color is orange. And for some crazy reason, all these orange things started happening. Like I, I would have, I'd walk into my trailer and the furniture was orange. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and that's not something that I asked for, uh, you know? Um, so it was pretty, like a lot of these things are, are happening and, and I'm not that person. She's the best agent in Hollywood. She's the best agent in Hollywood. She's the best agent in Hollywood. Oh my God. Manager, publicist, everything. She's like all happening. Yeah. That's that's so beautiful. I love it so much. All right. You picked a couple questions from the observation deck. We'll go through these pretty quick. Most memorable person you've been in an elevator with. Okay. So I am, um, for people who know me, I am also, in addition to being a Roger Federer fan, I am also a huge fan of the models of the 90s oh the right super, on the, like the, the people that would have been the, the in the freedom video the george michael the, freedom I mean, video yeah. all of them yeah all of them but amidst the triumvirate of sure super, yeah the, the trinity right as it right. were i am the biggest fan of linda evangelista interesting she's your fave i don't know why i okay. mean she sometimes i i don't know why i'm just obsessed with her right on and, I was in New York one time and we were going to the, we were going to see a show and uh, I get into an elevator and there were, there were a lot of other people in there, but all of a sudden I see that, that I mean, tall, uh, she had sunglasses on and the infamous like platinum blonde hair. And I look up and I was like, she, she came in and she turned around, but from behind, I was like, this is Linda Evangelista. And I was like, I remember shaking in the elevator and wow. going like, Gossling my way to the front just to be next to her. And of course I'm five foot five. She's like, she's like tall as hell. So I remember like, just like sniffing her elbow. Like I remember being like, just trying to get any part of like any sort of association with her. So she was in an elevator and then she got off literally the next floor. If right. it was any other person, I would have been like, look at this asshole taking an elevator one floor up. Right. Who does she but think she is? Jason like, Momoa? Exactly. Right. So eventually so sounds like, she deserves it. She doesn't need, she should be, she should be carried up those stairs. Like that's what should happen. But yeah. Right. No words were exchanged, just a smell of an elbow. Yeah. And it, it no, was she enough. Even, she doesn't even know that she was in the elevator with me. Cause she t- came in and she turned her back to everybody. Yeah. And I was all like, that's Linda Evangelista. Yeah. And I didn't say anything to her cause I was too chicken shit in a room full of people who didn't care that that was Linda Evangelista. You know what? It's enough. It's enough to be in her presence. All right. Here's yeah. another one you picked. What's something you or someone, you know, is superstitious about? Oh, um, uh, I, I can never have a hat on a bed. You can't have a hat on a bed. No, I Is heard that, that thing. That, so, um, Anthony Rapp, I, I, uh, dear friend of mine still, but we, we, when we dated many, many, that's many when years I ago. first met you. Yeah. When that's you, how we yes. first met. Yeah. 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 That's how we first met. Um, love, love the guy, uh, but we're no longer together. Um, but when we started dating, I remember I threw a baseball cap on a bed and Anthony's, if you have anyone knows Anthony, he's so chill. He's so chill about everything. Right. I mean, everything. He's just such, he's so even cute. I remember throwing a baseball cap on a bed and he like jumped on that bed. Like, a, <laughs> like, like it was on fire. Yeah. Like it was on fire. He's like, what are you doing? And he took the cap and he threw it off the bed. And I remember being like, what, what did I do? What, did, what what's happening? And he's like, that's bad luck. And I remember being like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, right. I've never heard that before up until that point. And since then, I can't have hats on beds. You can't have hats on beds. I 
don't know what it is. Wow. I, I, and it was just that I don't, if someone takes a, if there's a hat in a suitcase and you put that suitcase on the bed, I have to reach into that suitcase and take that hat out of a suitcase. Yeah. You can't even allow a suitcase barrier between the hat and the bed. <laughs> no, I can't have any kind of, wow. that is, if, if it is hovering above a bed, I need to remove it. And wow. that is, thank you, Anthony Rapp. Thank you for making me this sort of, this crazy psychotic, uh, um, superstitious person about a hat on a bed. I love it. Well, your movie yeah. is Easter Sunday. It's still in theaters. Do you know when it's going to come to other platforms? Is there any There's no dates date. on that? Uh, yeah. I think well, with anything, we're all waiting. We, we all want it to be in theaters as long yes. as possible. Um, but uh, I encourage everybody to go to the theater and, and make, you know, it's empirical, right? Everybody, no one really cares about anything about those numbers. So if uh, people can show up and, and just to get those numbers right. steady. Yeah. Is, is going to be useful to any for any film, whether it's ours or, or any film. Um, but no, there's no date. We know it's going to be. It's already in Jerusalem. There it is. is. I love it. Um, but in, in the Philippines, it's released on August 30, and that's another big sort of. Oh, release. are you going to go? So that's, uh, no, I'm not. I'm I'm teaching. That's right on. I'm shooting the television. Of show. course, you've got busy so, things um, going on. So yeah. Yeah, it's been, uh, but no, it's, it's released and Joe is going to the Philippines. So, I mean, uh, he's nonstop. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. What have you yeah. noticed about auditions and representation in terms of gay roles and Asian roles? What have you, have you noticed like, oh, this is not quite as offensive as it used to be. Have you noticed things evolving? Yeah. I think I've, I've noticed that, um, casting stuff you can feel the fear oh, in that they're going to put their foot in it. They're, that that they're going to say, foot, yeah, they're going to eat it because yes, that they're going to the get way, canceled. The way they're going to get canceled. Everyone's um, terrified of getting canceled and saying the wrong dumb thing. Yeah. So now everything is like, uh, 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 now everything is like, it's really like really creatively constructed, right? The, the way they describe things, it's like fun energetic and i'm like oh this guy's gay like, you know what i mean <laughs> you have to read between like, the lines yeah so yeah like the fun energetic best friend i'm like and they reached out to me and alec this guy's gay you yeah. know what i mean right so like and then they they'll oh, they say stuff like you know like uh um of course now they they list every they, they want to be gender uh gender non-specific right? right so um so that's a, a big thing with these things but i do fear that a lot of people are starting to realize how crappy it's been up until now so yeah i do i'm i'm fine with them with fe like feeling the fear in these because they should start to realize that this has been completely um uh un unfair for a very 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 long time right. i don't think there's any sort of equality here yet but that being said um, there's the, at least the dialogue is being recognized. Right, there's a bit more awareness. Yeah, the awareness. Like, I'll, I'll take it for now because yeah. hopefully it'll change things quicker in the future. Yeah. Do you have any social media stuff, anything like that you want to promote? Oh, I mean, I, you, people can find me on Instagram. Uh, it's at uh, Rodney Toe, but it's how you spell my name phonetically: R O D K N E E T O W. And you can find me on Twitter um, at at I think it's at Rodney Toe. All right. I think. Well, oh, I've, I've loved talking to you. I've always enjoyed you. We haven't hung out that much, though. We should no, hang out more because you're Dennis, delightful. You're one of, uh, for those people listening, Dennis, you are truly like you're you're gifted. You're one of those people. Why do who, you say that? I, I'm really touched think, by this, but I feel like we haven't hung out enough. You yeah, haven't seen I, I, my delights. But I don't. I've, 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 oh, I've seen your work. Trust me. I've read your work. I've seen okay, your all work. Right. This I know, means a lot I to me. Know, 
But also, Dennis, you you know as well as I do, like you know the 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 people fronting things are only as good as the people who are writing it, writing it for them. And you've written for a lot of people, and you've made them you've made them way funnier than they could ever have been oh, imagined. That's very sweet. Before. And I'm not just being sweet. Like, I really do mean that. Like, you really are one of the funniest, most talented people in this business. And you deserve your show. Like, that's Uh, just, it's not a matter. That's not, it's not even, wouldn't be a surprise if it happened because it makes sense to me. uh, That's lovely to hear. Well, I'm happy to see the Rodney Sons. I'm on board for it. I'm all, I'm all about it. All right. Here's my final question. Yeah. This kind of career goes ups and downs, lots of ups and downs, right? What got you through your downs? Um, having, uh, having, uh, people who get it with a capital I. Uh, and what I mean by that is I remember years ago, uh, Marianne Williamson, I'm going to throw that name out. I went to a lecture and, uh, she said in this business, in this life, in this industry, you're going to have a lot of people. You're going to meet a lot of people, but out of those amount of people that you meet an extraordinary amount of people, you're going to have a, a, a good, a good solid few that are going to get it and get and be there for you and really sort of really appreciate you at any level. And out of that, you're lucky if only maybe a handful, if one is going to get everything about you with a capital I hold on to that person for dear life, hold on to those people for your life. And that, that at the time I didn't really realize it. I think I was sort of at the beginning of this sort of, uh, uh, of, of being steady as an actor, but man, do I get it now? Like, there's not that many people who are. It, I'm well aware that this could go away tonight. Right. You know, I'm well aware that Rodney Sons could go away tonight, and people are going. There's only going to be a certain handful of people who are going to be there uh, when it does, and who are going to be there celebrating me when if I'm at the Oscars handing out trophies, or they're going to celebrating me while I'm bagging groceries at Ralph's, and they're gonna. For me, I, I only seek to surround myself with people at this point in my life who get that and are going to be okay with me everywhere in between. And I don't need somebody who's going to be there and riding coattails if I'm, you know, on a television show or if someone who's not going to care about me, if I'm bagging groceries at Ralph's for me, it's really just about surrounding myself with people who really just appreciate it at this point. Yeah. I like that. I have one, I have one other question, which Ralph's, Which Ralphs are you thinking? Rock and roll Ralphs? Studio City. Studio City. City. Ventura and Vineland. Right on. That's a gigantic Ralphs. It's like there's like a Hallmark store in the middle of the Ralphs with all the cards and Hallmark store. There's a Starbucks. Even though there's a Starbucks, literally you walk like three doors down. There's a Starbucks. They have one in there. All right. I've loved our conversation, Rodney. Congrats on everything you got going on. Thanks for making this happen. I really appreciate it. Everybody go see Easter Sunday. It's in theaters and it's a lot of fun. I enjoyed myself very much. Yay. Bye, Rodney. Thank you for having me, Dennis. Thanks again to Rodney Toe. Check out his movie, Easter Sunday. It's currently in theaters. All right. So this happened. Something very sad happened. We lost Olivia Newton-John. Um, singer, actress, icon. And I have to say, her passing has affected me more than any other celebrity passing that I can think of. Like, it's really um, moved me and made me cry. Um, repeated days, like, <laughs> like I would cry every day a little bit. But not just because of sadness, but there's something so special about her. And I, I think this is what it is for me. There are lots of performers that you love, but there aren't as many that you feel loved by. 
And I felt there was something in her eyes, in her spirit, that was loving, that I felt loved by. Um, I, I think this is what I put on social media. I posted, I think, gay boys the world over love Olivia Newton-John because she sings and looks like an angel, but also because we thought that if she ever met us, she would like us. And we were right. I think that's what I think about her. And uh, so I want to do a special show all about her. And I have some guests in mind that I'm going to try to reach out to. We may play You Don't Know My Life or we may just talk. But if you would like to leave a memory of Olivia Newton-John, a favorite song, an art, uh, a movie that she did, maybe you got to meet her, a memory or or a memory related to her art or her music. Like when I was a kid, I used to skate around. If you want to leave a memory for us on my voicemail, I'm going to create an Olivia Newton-John episode with um, with all that stuff. So to do that, go to one 647 9653 1-888-647-9653. If you have an Olivia thing you want to shout out, um, leave us a message, and I'm going to create an Olivia show out of, uh, out of those messages. And also, uh, I have some other people I, I think I want to have on to talk about it. So... All right, that's enough for this week. Uh, before I let you go, I want to thank AJ Sousa for mixing the episodes. Also, JB Bercy for his additional technical support. The theme music is by Mark Rannells, and it's licensed through Placement Music. We'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye.